The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop ballers, how's it going? Welcome back today in sports betting. This is the podcast for February 26th. This is Devin, not the Duke Ellington. And I am joined by a very special guest today. Just a reminder, we are a hoop ball presentation, hoop-ball.com. That's the mothership of all this. Like I mentioned, I have a special guest today. Ira is still finishing up moving out to Miami from Los Angeles. So without further ado, I am going to introduce Mr. Andrew Hansen here. He is our DFS analyst, contributor, mastermind for Hootball. And we have a treat for you guys today. This is going to be a great episode. Andrew, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Devin. Thanks so much for having me. And this is exciting. I get to join you guys here on this podcast that I've really enjoyed listening to here this season. And then also to be able to follow that intro, intro music. I mean, I got to say, I think it's the best intro music on a pod I've heard. It just gets me fired up. So great to follow that up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a low-key, high-energy kind of uh, rhythm there. It, it, yeah. It's real nice and simple, but you know what's to follow after it. So It's yeah. attacking, attacking the slate and attacking the day. Yes, absolutely. Getting you started bright and early here. Um, yeah, Andrew, you know, like I said, uh, you have a DFS background. And, uh, you know, I'll probably just rattle off a couple questions here just because I'm curious. I always like to learn a little bit more about DFS as we talked off screen. I dabble here and there pretty heavily, but I dabble. <laughs> um, you know, and there's been times where I wish I would have known a little bit more um, and been a little more educated on slates. So, I guess with my first question, you know, I just want to, um, well, before I do that, let's talk about our sponsor and that's mybookie.ag. They have, uh, just about anything that you can think about betting on. And that's going to include all the way to politician debates and races, XFL. I believe they even do stuff for, uh, you know, college basketball baseball um you know it's it's all over they got everything and um just a reminder we are still doing the promo code today which is t-o-d-a-y and that is going to be good for a 50 percent match on your initial deposit up to two thousand dollars so you deposit two thousand dollars you're going to get a thousand free money and you know just bet win and get paid mybookie.ag all right, so just to jump back into that question I was thinking about, I, I just got a little excited and jumped a bit there. Uh, so with DFS, um, it's very synonymous and kind of uh, correlative to actual gambling, would you say, no? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, they, they really go hand in hand in terms of the point spread, the, the game total, how much fantasy output you're looking for. And the first thing most people look at when they're building a daily fantasy lineup <clears throat> is how many points are going to be scored in this game and is it going to stay close because we want the starters to get heavy minutes. If we're going to pay a high price tag for a star player, we want to 
be confident that he's going to get big minutes and hit his season averages and maybe exceed them. And, you know, one thing you can do in daily fantasy is you can stack a game. Um, you know, most lineups on these sites, you're going to pick eight or nine players. And when people talk about stacking a game, what they might do is they might take five or six players from the same game and put them in that lineup of eight or nine, eight or nine players and hope that the game stays close and maybe even goes to overtime. Uh, I mean, you see it all the time in these fantasy contests where if you have five or six guys from, say, the uh, Wizards-Milwaukee game earlier this week or you know, a game that goes to double or triple overtime, that's how you can get first place and win that top prize because the game goes back and forth. You get your star players playing over 40 minutes. So when I first look at a slate, that's what I'm looking at is what are the, what are the high scoring totals on the board with the close lines where Vegas is expecting uh, a high scoring game. Yeah, that's a good, good insight there. Um, you know, it's something that I've looked at in the past and obviously having those guys that are going to be involved in those games that are going to have a lot of points scored is uh, more beneficial to uh, getting higher up in the standings. Now, if there was one major point that you would want to make about DFS or your strategy specifically, what would that point be? Do you you have a certain, um, you know, go-to thought process uh, when you're looking at a slate or breaking it down? Well, I guess the the two things to keep in mind would be, first of all, be open-minded and be open to the different strategies because any given strategy that you'll hear about in daily fantasy can work on any given night. You know, some nights if you stay, it's, you're only going to win if you stack a game and it's high scoring and you have a lot of players from that game. Uh, You'll hear a lot about stars and scrubs where you, you, you may invest in three high priced players like, you know, Giannis and Harden and Jokic. And then you get three or four minimum price players And that's the winning lineup because the stars go off that night. But other nights it might be a more balanced lineup where you got a lot of average priced players, you know, more like a Donovan Mitchell or Rubio. uh, And that's the winning lineup. So I I like to go into a slate with an open mind and, you know, look at the matchups and look at the prices to determine which way I'm going to go. But in terms of, then actually digging into a strategy and making selections. I think the one variable you have to look at is just matchups. And that is player versus player and team versus team. And, you know, one of the big things is looking at the poor defenses because guys who can't stop you, they obviously give up the most fantasy points. So I'll look at the team ratings defensively, the defensive ratings and try and attack players on those teams and tonight's slate is a perfect example of that we've got six of the eight worst team defenses Mm. so you know teams like Cleveland the Wizards Atlanta San Antonio New York and Charlotte you know that's one of the starting points for me is which guys are going to go off against those terrible defenses and then the other thing with matchups is of course you're looking at the positional matchup some of these teams are just very poor defensively against a certain position because of their, the players who are playing that position, but also the team defensive strategy. And we, we talk about it a lot on the Hoopball DFS Today podcast, 
we've talked about it throughout the season. Some of these matchups like Biggs against Charlotte, guards against Cleveland, and I'm, I'm naming some of the matchups we have tonight, uh, wing scores against the Wizards, Biggs against Brooklyn, Biggs against Atlanta, and then the point guard against Memphis. We've got all six of those matchups tonight, and whenever you have those, you, you look at those, that's sort of the first place you look at and say, uh, you know, where am I going to look for some of my core plays tonight? I'm going to, you know, go back to those matchups that have really paid off over the season, like, you know, bigs against Charlotte and bigs against Brooklyn. Yeah, that's a wonderful take. Um, so with that being said, you know, there's a, like you said, on this slate tonight, you know, we got nine games and we'll, we'll start breaking that down. But, um, you know, I, like I told you, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about this DFS stuff. So whenever you see specific positional matchups like that, do you find it sometimes hard to, um, avoid jumping the gun and just go ahead and locking guys, you know, like you said, wings against, uh, Washington tonight. So like a, a guy like Joe Harris, is it hard to jump the gun and not just go ahead and lock him in your lineup without doing your diligence first or? Um... Yeah, well, yeah, I think it's, I think it is very important to dig in and do the due diligence. And that's a nice preview there. I'm going to be talking about Joe Harris here later when we, oh, get, cool. to that, when we get to that game uh, as well as Karis LeVert. Um, but that's the thing about um, DFS is the, the final variable is always the player's price tag. Yes. On, on that night. And as you know, it can vary from site to site. So, you know, that's where you really have to put the matchups aside and uh, again, keep an open mind because, you know, every day these, these players prices are, are fluctuating in terms of how you have to invest in them in a daily fantasy lineup. So yeah, you can say, well, I want to play Harden against Memphis because John Morant's not very strong defensively, but then you open up, DraftKings or FanDuel when his price tag's over 12K and then you have to really stop and think about it. So for me, it, it's all about, you know, doing that due diligence in conjunction with what is his price tag that night. Sure. And um, based off tonight's card, as you look at these different strategies that you've utilized in the past, uh, just off of a quick eye glance, do you think tonight's uh, slate is going to offer you the opportunity to utilize Stars and Scrubs style uh, play tonight? Or do you think this is going to be a little bit more of a balanced um, slate tonight as far as your team constructs go? That's a good question. I haven't dug in too much yet on the actual pricing. I've been looking more at the player props sure. to get ready for this fun venture with you. Yeah. Um, but – as I, as I pull it back up and take a quick look, I, I'm thinking I'll probably be looking at more of a balanced lineup. Um, you know, one of the biggest things uh, that factors into that is, is the player news in terms of injuries. And if mm -hmm. somebody goes out late, like the, you know, earlier this week when uh, Alfred Payton was out, uh, all of a sudden Dennis Smith Jr. was a, a great option, low price. And, you know, that late news can allow you to go stars and scrubs where you might not have been planning to do that before. Uh, but tonight, like with Harden, if, if Westbrook, Westbrook's going to be back in the lineup, then, you know, they're going to split the usage a little bit. Joel Embiid is one of the higher priced players, but he's going against Cleveland. If that's a blowout, then you may not want to go there. Um, and then Kawhi Leonard's one of the higher priced players, but 
you've got Paul George, you've got basically everybody back in the lineup for the Clippers. So I'm not, you know, that interested in paying that price tag. So I'm uh, probably looking at more of a balanced lineup tonight. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's um, got to get that value where you can. And speaking of value, whenever I'm looking at some recency bias, as far as a player's production, it, I try to find, you know, getting, you know, what, what, what's the mark, you know, where is that value line you want to be at as far as ROI, you know, um, I try to find at least five times value. Um, I'm not sure where you sit or if that's even something that you consider. Yeah, I look at that. I, I would say, yeah, minimum five times value. And for me in daily fantasy, I like to play more of the tournaments as yeah, opposed to yeah. the fifty fifties, the cash. So teams. GPPs, correct? So it's GPPs. So I'm going for that really high upside and guys that are more likely to give you seven X or even eight X return. So five X for me is yeah, is is a minimum. I, I may stick one guy, one or two guys in a tournament lineup that I'd be okay with at, you know, five to six X return. Um, but I'm going for those really high high upside guys that might get you seven X or more. Sure. Now with tournaments and GPPs, it, it's important to consider like ownership percentage. I mean, it is overall in DFS because you want to try to get the guys that, you know, not a lot of people are going to have, but also still in, uh, include some guys in your lineups that if the bulk of the field is going to have it, you kind of want to be right there with them, especially if it's a great value or a great matchup. Um, it, I found this being one of my Achilles heels and I have many of them in DFS, but I try to get too cute with trying to find that low ownership guy or um, someone that I think has a good matchup or is just kind of an under the radar kind of player. Um, has getting cute with your lineups ever really been a problem or how do you avoid that? I should say. Yeah, we all have our biases, don't we? I mean, the first guy that comes to mind for me is Boban Marjanovic. Yeah. He's a guy that I just absolutely love. And whenever he gets on the court, he is an amazing producer, fantasy points per minute. But it's just so hard to count on. You never know when he's going to play. I mean, every stop he's been at, the coaches, to me, they just don't seem to utilize him as much as they could because he is so dominant when he's on the floor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would make sure I carved out, you know, 14 or 15 minutes for him every night. Um, you know, unless maybe I'm going against Houston or something, and I, I think they're going to, you know, run circles around him on the other end. But uh, so, so for me, it is certainly a challenge that you fall in love with a player or a guy that's going to be low-owned. And, and that's the thing. In tournaments, you, it's a real risk because you don't want a guy who's not even going to play. So it is a challenge. But, I mean, I'm with you. I think looking for low-ownership guys is important. Again, especially in tournaments. So if, if some of our listeners are new to daily fantasy or they're thinking about trying it out, then what I would advise is try some GPPs where you're going for that upside. And, and there I think it's more important to find one or two players at low ownership to make your lineup a little bit different and, and give yourself a chance for possibly winning the tournament. Whereas if you play one of these cash games, you're really looking for a more balanced trustworthy lineup because all you have to do is beat half the field and if you do that you, you get you double your money it doesn't matter how how much you score so in in the cash lineup then I think it's more important to go with the chalky plays um, don't make a big mistake with a guy that 
might not even play. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the contest that you're playing. But because I do focus on GPPs, I mean, I'm with you. I think it's important to try to find one or two guys that, that are going to be low owned that might go off that night. Yeah. I, uh, I really like Avicii Zubac. I guess he's kind of like my Marjanovic. Um, okay. Cause his, what just every time I look and I try to put a lineup together and he's always just in that middling price range. And I always just see what he does with his minimal minutes and his production Sometimes it bites me in the butt, but, um, you know, he just, he, he just kind of gets out there and gets a lot of offensive rebounds, high, high efficiency. So it's, uh, it's, I guess that would be my Marjanovic. That's funny because that's funny because Montrez Harrell is one of my favorite players. Okay. I play, I play him a lot for Zubats. You know, one thing, if if you ever try uh, again, for our listeners who are new to it in daily fantasy, you can do a showdown slate where you're just picking players Mm -hmm. from one game. And I think Zubats is a better option there because he's still usually underpriced, but he allows you to get the other stars from that game in your lineup. And so I think he's a good fit there. Yeah. Now, um, as far as ownership percentage and, um, you know, value estimations and all that good stuff, I know a lot of people use optimizers. I kind of wanted to throw that word out there and see if it was triggering to you. Some DFS players love them. Some absolutely despise them. How do you feel about an optimizer? And if you like a certain one, is there one that you use at all? I don't use optimizers. I build everything by hand. Um, I have nothing against them. Um, You know, I think the strategy for people who, you know, multi-enter up to 150 lineups. I think it's fine. It's, it's that's part of the game. It's playing within the rules. Um, I mean, I've looked at the Roto Grinders optimizer a fair amount, played around with it, see what it spits out. So I don't have any problem with it. Um, that's the one I've looked at, but I don't use it really myself. Gotcha. I think it just gives me something else to overthink and get confused by. It, it's just <laughs> yeah. a, uh, it, it's just a little. Uh, bit too much information for what my little my, my little brain can handle <laughs> well uh you know before we transition over to the card i wanted to see if you had any other last points or uh things that you would like to say about dfs or your background or just the pod, other podcasts in general just kind of give you a little bit of a floor here to sell uh, a little bit more dfs stuff oh thanks yeah well i've had a, a lot of fun with hoop ball this year and we do have a daily podcast on fantasy it's called DFS Today, so uh, come check us out. Um, and one segment I've been adding in there is the player props. So we'll, we'll, I imagine we'll talk about that some today, but that's something we're going to try to do more and more of going forward. Um, in terms of my background, I played JV hoops at Princeton, and then I, I gave up the game. I focused on baseball to try and pursue a professional baseball career. Um, but that got back into basketball Later on, as a, as a scout, I did some independent scouting for a couple of years, traveled around the country, watching everything from college to G League to NBA games. And, uh, you know, then been, you know, just playing heavy fantasy here for five or six years and really passionate about it and um, excited about everything that's happening at Hoopball. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that about you with the scouting and the uh, athletic career. That's really neat. I'm learning stuff here myself. 
Um, what was your favorite part about scouting? I mean, I bet the travel, I used to travel for work, so I could imagine it can be a little bit grindy at times, but um, take the travel out of it. Uh, what, what do you think you enjoyed most um, with scouting? Just honestly, that I, I just felt so comfortable and, and happy and satisfied doing it. It was yeah, just one of those yeah. things where I could watch games all day, all night, and I don't really get tired of it. Um, and then for me, you know, my background is in psychology in terms of the academic side. That was my major. So I really like watching, you know, body language, um, you know, trying to get into players' heads and, you know, listen to the comments in the media, um, you know, look at different factors that motiv might motivate players on any given night. And I, I think that's really important for, you know, building a daily fantasy lineup and, you know, making selections with player props. Absolutely. Well, you've mentioned player props a couple times now, and you've been killing it as of lately. Um, I know you had some awesome picks out there uh, a couple days ago. So I'm excited to get your thoughts on some player props as we break this card down. But before we transition, I just want to let the folks know that they can find you on Twitter. And your handle is Language Olympics, correct? Language Olympic. Okay. Right. All right. Yep. So no S at the end. And of course, guys, I am at D-A-L-E-007, and Hootball Gaming is the Motherboard Twitter page. And then, uh, yeah, Hootball Tweets and Hootball Fantasy, it's all out there. Um, lots of content for you guys. All right, so let's uh, jump right in. We've got the first game of Brooklyn and Washington. And the spread right now is uh, minus two for Brooklyn with a total of 235. And this looks to be a little bit of a higher side total from what I'm seeing on the slate. Second highest on the slate, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, see if we got some player news. Uh, looks like Wilson Chandler's questionable. Uh, Davis Bertans is also back to being questionable. Um, you know, this is a team in Brooklyn that I haven't had a lot of good luck with figuring out this year. Washington's a bit more uh, composed at the moment. They're playing pretty decent ball. They're trying to get that eighth seed. Bradley Beal's on an unbelievable tear. And as far as some last 10 numbers, both these teams are actually covering the spread pretty nicely. Seven and three for Brooklyn, six and four for uh, Washington. And, um, you know, this is um, an actual pretty important game as far as the Eastern Conference is uh, considered at the, you know, eight spot. Um, so, as far as some DFS and player props, what do you have in mind uh, for this game specifically, Andrew? Yeah, this is actually one of the games that I have the most interest in terms of player props so far. And you mentioned that it's a high total. So that's certainly something that catches my eye. And we got to start with Bradley Beal. I mean, right. two consecutive games with over 50 points. The guy is just on a roll. And that's one of those things that, you know, I, I look at is whatever it is, you know, he's uh, feeling good after the all-star break or, um, you know, guys inspired by Kobe perhaps, but he's just on a mission and, you know, getting up a lot of shots. He's had nine straight games with at least 23 field goal attempts. Wow. And his point prop is 31.5. He scored 34 against Brooklyn earlier in the season uh, and, you know, maybe he wants to go for three in a row over 50. So that's one of my plays tonight is over 31 and a half points for Beal. 
Yeah, you know, without even looking into it that much, I'm probably going to have to tell you on that. He's He seems to be their only option, really. And, um, you know, Brooklyn, what, one thing that's given me a little pause as far as um, just the total here is I was looking through some defensive ratings as far as uh, the last five games go. Brooklyn's actually number three um, behind Toronto and Milwaukee, and Washington is um, number 10 in defensive ratings over their last five games. So I'm looking, as far as a betting standpoint, I think I might take the under of 235 uh, on this line just because, you know, there's a lot of points right there, but um, teams are locking in. These two teams specifically are locking in defensively, it seems like. And um, last time they played on February 1st, there was a total set at 243, and they only scored – uh, 220. So, um, and they both shot pretty decent as far as field goal percentage, 41 and a half and 44%. So I think it'll probably be somewhere close to that if I was a betting man and I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was actually looking at the under on that as well. So I'm glad you feel the same way. Awesome. And, awesome. Yeah. Um, and then in terms there on the Brooklyn side, there's two other guys I want to mention. Uh, and we previewed it earlier, but the wing scores against the Wizards have been excellent this year. Beal, you know, he's so busy scoring offensive, offensively. He doesn't have much left for the defensive side of the sure. ball. So the guy I'm going to start with is Levert, and his player prop is 20.5. He's really picked up his usage with Kyrie Irving out. Last four games, his shot attempts have been 20, 29, 19, and 21. And... You just look at that last game that the Wizards played. Uh, Middleton is the guy that I'm looking at. Yeah. Similar player. His player prop was 21 and a half points. And that was my first pick on the Monday show. My favorite prop of the day. And he was over 21 and a half points in the third quarter. And, you know, yes, they went to overtime, but he scored 40 and he was just excellent. So I like Levert over 20 and a half points. And then the other guy is Joe Harris, you mentioned him, and his player prop is 13 and a half. He scored 22 against the Wizards in that earlier matchup. So I like to put, I'm going to play Harris as well. It's a bit of a hedge. Um, you know, maybe they won't both go over it, Levert and Harris, but I can't see any way that they both go under. And I think there's a decent chance they both go over. So uh, those are my three favorite props from that game. Well, I'm definitely, excuse me, I'm going to be telling you on those. I I love the uh, angles here. And as I talked a little with you off camera, I've been looking at trying to get a little more invested and educated in the player props angles. So uh, this is good education for listeners and me alike. So this is great. I love it. Uh, Anything else on this game specifically, or do you want to move on to the Knicks and Hornets? Let's move on. All right, so I don't have a lot to say as far as the Knicks and the Hornets game here. It's a low total, 207.5, minus two for the Knicks, the road favorites. Um, not a lot of points being scored between these two teams. And, um, you know, just to keep it short and sweet here, you know, Alfred Payton's upgraded to probable. Uh, Nick Kalina is going to be doubtful. And uh, Charlotte's healthy. New York's actually covering some spreads as of lately. They were struggling for a while, but it seems like they're actually playing some decent ball lately. Um, they've gotten over 500 as far as ATS record for the season at 30, 26, and 1. Their last 10, uh, you know, they have actually 
been covering at a plus 500 clip. Uh, more importantly, four one and one on the road. So I think they will probably come in here, get the job done. Uh, Charlotte's pretty terrible right now. Um, one bet that I really like in this game, and it's my favorite bet, is the first half under. Um, both teams have been uh, dismal as far as starting fast. Um, they just don't do it. And as far as the last 10, respectively, so New York is 3-6-1 uh, and one to the under with that one push. Charlotte's 4-6. and six. And then the uh, points, you know, the average points of a halftime score for these two teams coming into this game, New York is at 104.3 and Charlotte is at 107.1. So I also uh, put a note in here of home and road numbers for Charlotte. They're 10 and 16 to the under at home with an average combined score of 106.8. And New York is 12 and 16 to the under on the road at 109.75. So the way I'm going to take this into consideration is I'm going to take those two numbers specifically. I'm going to put them together, divide it by two, see what that number spits out, see if the line that's given on the book is anywhere near that. If it's uh, above the number I get, I usually lock that bet in. And if it's close or under, then I usually will probably stay away from it. Now, do you have any uh, player props in this one or anything you're eyeballing for DFS? I don't. The player props aren't up yet for this one as, okay, far, as, I'm, okay. as far as I'm seeing. Um the, the, the things I'm looking at are Peyton coming back into the lineup. And then Devontae Graham, he's a real wild card. Yes. He's been playing so poorly. He's shot one for 17 in his last two games. He had a game off. And so mm-hmm. he's the type of player that you might play in fantasy because everybody's thinking, well, he's been playing so poorly. Um, so you get him at low ownership and maybe he finally bounces back. I mean, I probably won't play him. Uh, you know, low total here game, like, like you said. But he's the guy I'm a little bit concerned about. In terms of the line, I would also lean the Knicks. Um, and if I was going to do anything with the total, I'd, I'd go under, depending on, on where it is. But, um, yeah, the, the Knicks, surprisingly, they, it seems like they have been caring a little bit more about defense. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see this such a low total. Yeah, so as of lately, they've um... – they've kind of moved up in the uh, metrics, you know, they're 14th in their last five, as far as a defensive rated team. And um, as far as um, net ratings, you know, they're still pretty low, but um, their defensive metric is um, definitely uh, creeping up there. They're top 15. Um, One thing that I like as far as, um, you know, the under on this game, especially in the first half is the, uh, pace, you know, Cleveland is 16th in pace of play, and uh, New York is going to be right at. Um, well, let's see if I can do some reading here. 21st. There yeah. we go. So pretty slow teams. Um, I would imagine lots of turnovers, just because you know these teams aren't um, super solid. Um, yeah, New York is 24th, and um, Charlotte's 17th, so good amount of turnovers, lost possessions, um, offensive rebounding percentage, you know, they're not that uh, great, so I would definitely, um, they're actually, I'm going to retract that statement, they're actually both top 10 in offensive rebounding percentage, so I uh, spoke too soon, 
So, yeah, some conflicting information there. But nonetheless, these teams are under teams. And um, to minimize some risk, I'm going to crunch the numbers and look at that first half under and uh, see how that goes. Excellent. Now, uh, you mentioned this game already a little bit, how it could be a blowout and how that might affect DFS players. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Philadelphia and Cleveland. Philadelphia is a jackal and hide um, as far as on the road and at home. And uh, call me crazy, but I'm considering taking the seven and a half points for Cleveland at home. Um, the total is 217. And, uh, you know, as we know, Ben Simmons is going to be out. Um, looks like uh, Dante Exum's out for Cleveland. Uh, McKinney is downgraded to out. So Cleveland's going to be down a couple guys. But um, if you look at the home and road splits for Philadelphia, it's pretty atrocious. They're only 9-20 and 20 on the road as uh, far as their record goes. And as far as uh, against the spread, they're 8-20-1. And, one. and um, Cleveland's not absolutely terrible against the spread. They're 25-30 and 30 with two pushes, 11-18-1 and one at home. Um, and in their last 10, they're actually 5-5. Five and five, uh, covering in three and four at home. Uh, I think some of the money is going to be in on Philadelphia. So I'll wait to see if I can get this up to eight, eight and a half to get that extra juice that I would like with Cleveland. Um, it's a lean. It's not an official play right now, but I think as far as numbers speaking, it's just, you know, it's a one way bet here. You can't back Philadelphia on the road. And, um, it's just – it's hard to. You know, it's hard to do it and feel good about it. But it's also hard to back Cleveland in any way. So what say ye about this uh, this game as far as DFS or player props? Yeah, I love your takes there. Um, it, you got to love what Cleveland did in that comeback against Miami. Oh, uh, man. You know, that's one of the things you look at with, you know, new coach, Bickerstaff, and uh, that could really change things. So I would also lean uh, getting some points there and – I think the over-under opened at 220, so that's gone down pretty quickly. Mm. Um, it's unfortunate to have lost uh, a bit of the edge there if, you, if you're looking at the under. In terms of the player props and DFS, you know, the, the blowout risk, you know, if Philly wakes up here, and, I mean, Embiid was just phenomenal against Atlanta. So if he keeps cruising along and they do win pretty easily, then that concerns me with player props and DFS. And also – you know, Philly's on the front end, front end of a back-to-back, so that might hurt our minutes a little bit. So I don't think I'll, I'll play much in terms of player props. Like uh, Embiid is 25.5 on points, which I, I think is a fair number. On the Cleveland side, one number that I was looking at is Darius Garland. His point prop is 13.5. Mm. I would lean the under on that one. He... I mean, Philly's really good at guarding the wings. And the first time these two teams met, he only scored six points. He did better the second outing. He got 17. Um, but and So that's not an official play for me either, but I would lean under on Garland. I also – I'm tempted to play the over on Horford's rebounds at six and a half. You're getting plus money on that. But, again, with, uh, you know, front end of the back-to-back – um, it's, it's a little bit up in the air for me, but nothing really jumping out. And if the ball bounces the right way, you know, I think you'd be able to uh, see and 
think it to be a true and absolute possible uh, possibility that he gets, you know, those all those rebounds he needs in the first half. He's he's a pretty tenacious rebounder. Uh, he you know he's going to be fighting with Drummond a little bit, but um, no, I like that a lot. And thank you for bringing up where this opened as far as the total, because um, as far as last ten goes, the Cavaliers and the Sixers are both six and four to the over, um, five and two at home to the over for the Cavaliers. So if um, you want to get this and 217 seems like not very many points at all. And it looks like some recent money is coming in at the over pretty heavily. So it could shoot back up. So I think if you want it right now, you got to jump on the 217. Um, and the last time these two teams played the, the over and uh, the total was set at 215 and Philly scored 141. So that definitely, uh, <laughs> that took care of the over. That's right. Um, so, yeah, moving on, uh, we're going to transition over to our next game. And this is another game that uh, I like some early action on. I got a first quarter bet in this. Minnesota going on the road to take on Miami, where Miami is so very solid at home. Um, right now it's a spread of 10 in favor of Miami, total of 231. I don't have a true opinion as of right now on those two numbers. What I do like right here, though, is Miami getting embarrassed by uh, Cleveland and then them coming back home and, um, you know, getting the job done where they have done so often this year at home, only three losses. And they're 17 and 8-1 against the spread at home. Uh, overs just seem to be an automatic lock here with these two teams. Um, as far as Minnesota, they are 32 and 24 to the over. Miami's 34, 22, and 1. 17 and 9 to the over at home specifically. And in their last 10, uh, respectively, 7 and 3 for Minnesota and 6 and 4 to the over for Miami. Jimmy Butler's still questionable with his personal uh, matters. Tyler Hero, Myers Leonard, both out indefinitely. Um, obviously, Cat is still town. Cat uh, is still. Yes, his last name is still Towns. He's still out. <laughs> um, but to transition here, I, I really like this first quarter uh, spread number for Miami. They're the best first quarter um, spread team in all of the NBA. They uh, come out to really good starts. They Spolster just – I think he has his game plan implemented with his guys, and they come out and execute. And um, they are 35 and 18 with three pushes, um, ATS, uh, in the first quarter, 17 and nine at home. And on the flip side, conversely, Minnesota's 20, 34 and one, and nine, 17 and one on the road. And right now I'm seeing uh, minus three and a half for Miami um, in that first quarter. And as we speak right now, I'm locking my bet in and it is done. Um, so I really like Miami to come out, get off to a hot start. They perform really well at home. Home favorites uh, with this first quarter spread has been trending up uh, exponentially and almost one-sidedly. Um, I think home teams that are favored come out a little bit um, quicker, faster, more execution. So I look for Miami to get off to a good start and get this first quarter spread taken care of. You have any uh, player props or DFS notes on this, Andrew, or thoughts in general? 
I don't, but I, I love that breakdown. The other thing I would add is that this is the third game in four nights for Minnesota on the road, and it's a pretty t- tough journey they've been on from Denver, then they go back-to-back in Dallas, now over to Atlanta. Um, maybe guys are you know, out last night. So, um, yeah, I, lo- I love your first quarter play. Uh, in terms of props, they're not up yet, but the guy I would look at is Kendrick Nunn. Mm-hmm. If, if Butler is out, uh, you know, he's just been getting a lot more usage, and so I've been tracking his point and assist props. And let's see. I think, yeah, his assist prop is another one I hit on Monday. It was over three and a half. So uh, wait and see, you know, wait until the very end on that one for the lineups, who's in, who's out, uh, to break that game down. Sure. Yeah, Kendrick Nunn's actually, you know, he had that little uh, dip in production, and um, he it looks like he's kind of ramping back up now. So especially with Butler being out, kind of helps him out. Um, but, yeah, yeah, like Andrew said, keep an eye on those props to come out. And uh, just a reminder, you know, I'm sure he'll have some blurred information out there on Twitter, um, at Language Olympic throughout the day. And, um, you know, of course, I'll be putting stuff out. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to pump some information out for you guys. So we'll move on to the next game, and that is going to be the Orlando Magic going on the road to take the Atlanta Hawks on. And Atlanta getting two points, you know, plus two at home. Um, and the over-under right now is at 229. And uh, just at a first eyes glance, this is, um, this is a weird matchup. You know, Orlando, heavily an under team. Atlanta, um, known for their offense, obviously with Trey Young and John Collins. Um, so, yeah, um, my – or, I'm sorry, Orlando is actually um, – in their last 10, they've been an over team. So – this could maybe be a little tricky to play as far as the over and under goes. I always like to consider like true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage in recent uh, games for teams to see how they've been putting the ball in the bucket as of uh, recency. And um, this is one that I kind of want to dig in a little more. I don't have a true opinion as far as how I feel on the over under. But I like Atlanta getting two points at home and maybe to even be an underdog money line play of mine tonight. Um, you know, Orlando's in that race to lock the eight seed in. But, you know, like Josh and I and Ira and I have talked about in the past on this show, it's like it seems like no one wants the eight seed. And they keep handing it off to each other just because they know they'll be the sacrificial lamb to Milwaukee in the first round. And uh, I think Atlanta can definitely – win this game against Orlando. It's not, it's not uh, unfathomable. Um, is this a game that you're looking at for some players as far as um, your DFS lineups tonight? Maybe Trey Young or, uh, you know, John Collins or any Aaron Gordon perhaps since Atlanta is pretty bad against the bigs? Yeah, Gordon's been strong lately. Uh, Vucevic is the guy I'm actually going to look at first. Mm-hmm. And what's one of the things we, we look at is bigs against Atlanta. I mean, we all saw what Embiid just did earlier this week. He almost went for 50. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the player props actually just came out on this game as we've been recording. And I'm, I'm pleased with Vucevic. His player prop is 19 and a half points. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to plan to play over that. He's 
in the three matchups this year, he's averaged 22.3 points. So I'm going to play over Vucevic and that's, that might be it. I, I'd be you know very happy with that, that number, that line. Uh, feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm not seeing uh, this on my book um, for those player props, so I might have to wait a little bit longer, but as soon as that drops out, uh, comes out, I am going to be dropping that bet. I can't believe it's that low, to be honest. I, I can't either. I thought it would be in the 20s for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, if there's not much said left said on this game, we can transition over to the next one. And uh, that's going to be Memphis taking on Houston. Memphis is on the road. They're shorthanded. You know, they lost Brandon Clark um, last uh, the other night. Um, I don't think it was last night. It was probably two nights ago now. They all but, uh, kind of blend together, don't yes, they? Yes, yeah, <laughs> they do. Um, all that matters is Brandon Clark went out with a hip injury um, after Jaron Jackson Jr. was ruled out for a couple weeks. So they're lacking some big depth right now. They still have JV, Mr. Valanciunas. But uh, Houston at home, 11-point uh, favorite, 237.5 is the uh, total set. And I believe this is – the biggest total on the card um i want to say yes 237 and a half let me do some quick yeah i think it is yeah yeah, it is okay um so you know this is a this is a divisional matchup these opponents are really uh comfortable and knowledgeable of each other they played recently on january 14th um houston looks like they're obviously going to have Russell Westbrook back with that thumb injury. He's probable. Um, Memphis is slipping a little bit uh, coming into this game. You know, those injuries definitely aren't helping. And um, as far as Houston being a double-digit home favorite, I've faded this all year. I don't like it. It's just a weird spot. They haven't really covered uh, a lot of those games. So, again, this is another game I don't have a very big opinion on. Um, I do actually like the under just because 237 and a half is a lot of points and believe it or not, Houston's actually been an under team all year. They're 24 and 32 with one push to the under, uh, and then specifically at home 13 and 15, uh, in favor of the under, um, the unders hit in five of their last seven games. So, you know, if I'm going to lean anywhere, it's going to be the under. Um, looks like about 67% of the money that I'm looking at is going into the under. So this is probably going to drop by a half point, I think, within the next hour. So this is something that I'll probably jump on in a little bit after I do some more digging. Uh, see how, as far as, you know, metrics and ratings as far as how they are playing as of late. Uh, Houston still is the top Three, uh, they're the third-ranked uh, offensive team in their last five games. Uh, Memphis has fallen way, way down into um, 26th. And, uh, you know, defensively, um, Houston's actually a top-10 team in their last five. Memphis is 12th. So I like that as far as uh, supporting my under. Um, and in their last five, Houston's actually the number one net-rated team um in Memphis like I mentioned they've probably fell a little bit yeah down to 21st so 
Um, you know, we all know about the pace. Um, Memphis is actually higher than Houston as far as pace in the last five games. Houston's gone down to 15th, which is really weird to think. But um, keep in mind of those effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentages. Um, and then, yeah, just off of a glance, I really like the under here, especially knowing where those teams sit defensively. Uh, what, what do you have on this, Andrew, as far as some DFS or, um, you know, just base any insight, really? Well, for DFS, this is certainly one of the games that pops off the page when you look at the slate in terms of a high-scoring game. And even if it goes under, as you're predicting, as you're leaning, I mean, if we, even if we get 225, 230 points, there's a good chance for some, some good fantasy value. And certainly I mentioned targeting point guards against John Morant. Mm-hmm. And so the first place you look at is Harden. His player prop just popped up. It was 32 and a half. And so I'm tempted to play the over there. He is averaging 42 and a half points against Memphis in their two matchups. But Again, this is what we, you know, what you referenced earlier in terms of that due diligence. You break down the box scores and you notice that Westbrook didn't play in either of those two games. Oh, wow. So I think that number is a little bit inflated. Uh, I don't know if I'll, uh, if, I'll, if I'll play that prop or not. I certainly will play it either over or I'll just stay away. But um, you know, that's certainly one thing to keep in mind when you're getting into these player props is you've got to go back and look at you know, who was in that game, not only on on your team, you know, offensively uh, with some usage missing, but who was defending you on the other side. So, um, but Harden certainly a guy you want to look at in this matchup uh, on the daily fantasy, daily fantasy side for sure. Yeah. And just another quick note, just, you know, I know I talk about recency bias a lot and that can get some betters and DFS players in trouble here and there, but the, the, Fact of the matter is, is it's a, it's a recent metric. It's proof, you know. Um, last time the, the, this team, these teams played was the 14th of January, so pretty recent. And the over-under set was 240.5, so even higher than what it was this time around. And, uh, you know, Memphis won that game 121 to 110, so only 231 points scored, which is still lower than the total of what it is posted now. Um, and Memphis shot 51.1%. I don't think they're going to do that this time around. Uh, you know, if I had a, an opinion there, which I'm giving one, so I guess I do, <laughs> I, I think they kind of fall back down to the uh, 45%. You know, they're missing Jerry Jackson Jr., who gets them close looks. They're missing Brandon Clark, which is another mid-range, close proximity kind of guy who can step out here and there. But – you know, the fact of the matter is they're both bigs. They both look for those high percentage shots. And, um, you know, Dylan Brooks, he is either shooting 50% from the field or he's shooting 17 or 22%. And I think this last game, he and John Morant both just had monstrous field goal percentage numbers. So look for that to drop. Um, again, another thing that makes me feel a little comfortable with my underlean. Um, I'm pretty close to make the, making this underplay an official play for me. So, But check back on Twitter when I hand my picks out for the day. Um, but, yeah, this is as strong of a lean as I've had so far on these uh, games. One more point I want to add there. John Morant, it, it seems to me like he might be hitting that rookie wall a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Last three games, 
he's the most assists he's had is three. You mentioned a couple of those weapons being out. And I think that's another factor that could hurt them and could certainly support your underplays. He just doesn't quite have the, the legs that he did a little bit earlier in the season. Right. Yeah. And we all know the rookie wall is a thing. It's real. It's very real. Um, you know, he's going through it. Um, but I have been impressed with how he's played this year. You know, I thought he was going to have to rely mostly on his athleticism like he did at Murray State. Um, but he's really morphed himself into a really good point guard in the NBA. It's been a fun sight to, uh, to watch. Devin, this seems like the perfect time to pick your brain on a, a future play that I made uh-huh. about a month ago, the, the rookie of the year race. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have talked about that, but I took Zion uh, at 10 to 1, and I'm looking at the numbers. If he plays out the string, he can get into 37 games. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly an uphill battle for him with the voters, not getting that full game total like John Morant. But what do you think about Zion's chances to get Rookie of the Year over Morant? Do you think it's possible? I think it, they have to get into the playoff picture. If, yep. you know, Because they are divisional teams, so they have a lot of games left against each other, if I'm not mistaken. And as far as head-to-heads go, I think that'll sway a bunch of the voters if they come out and just overperform and beat Memphis. And I hate to say it, but, you know, because Memphis has been one of my darlings this year, you know, they've just been a really fun team to watch. But I think, I think that they're going to falter. Um, and, you know, I, if, if Zion gets and helps and propels the uh, Pelicans into the playoff picture, you know, they're healthy right now. They're healthy. They they looked pretty good against the Lakers last night. Um, you know, the Lakers are just the Lakers, though. So I like that 10-to-1 number. That's extraordinary. That's uh, phenomenal. I think that's great value. I think right now it's Jaws' award to lose. And, you know, just like NCAA bubble teams, there are things in the NBA where people play themselves out of position more times than playing themselves in. So I think John, you know, hitting this rookie wall right now and Zion doing what he's doing, I think he's going to gain some traction here and gain some ground. Um, I could absolutely see um, Zion coming in and sneaking that rookie uh, of the year award from him. So that's in a one. I, I like that a lot. Oh, you're putting a smile on my face. I love that. <laughs> Now, I, I did say earlier that I thought John Morant ultimately would win this, but if yep. if Memphis falls out of the playoff picture and New Orleans comes in to a seven seed and uh, Zion does what he's been doing, got to hit some more free throws. Um, yes. But um, his percentages, you know, they're they're pretty pretty nice where they're at right now. So he's just got to play the rest of these games. John may – I think he missed some games earlier in the year, not as much as Zion, obviously, but um, – one, you know, this health through the stretch of the second half of the season is it's going to be very important. Yes, indeed. So, well, let's uh, talk a little bit about Dallas and San Antonio, another high implied total. So I think you might have a little bit more to say as far as some uh, daily fantasy blurbs on this. 232. So 230 seems to be a key number to me as far as DFS players. If you see that 230 plus number, I think your eyes kind of light up a little bit. Am I correct in saying that? Absolutely. Okay. All right. And, you know, not uh, a ginormous spread. You know, Dallas is a favorite here by five. 
So San Antonio, the home dog. Uh, this is another division team uh, matchup. So they are going to be com uh, competing with a um, team that they are familiar with, that they uh, play a lot of games against. LaMarcus Aldridge is out with his shoulder injury. Jalen Brunson out indefinitely, shoulder injury as well. Looks like Willie Cauley-Stein is questionable with a, a personal matter. And, uh, yeah, so these last – 10 games for the teams here. Um, the Mavericks are um, great on the road on the season. You know, they do way better on the road than they do at home. Just record-wise, they are 19-9 and nine on the road versus 16-14 and 14 at home. And as far as against the spread goes, 19-17 and 17, or 19-7, and seven, I'm sorry, with two pushes against the spread on the road and 12-17-1 and 17 and one at home. So significantly better um san antonio is 9 and 17 against spread at home so pretty pretty dismal uh they also outperform their home stretches with their road numbers um last 10 over unders for these teams eight and two to the over for dallas seven and three for san antonio san antonio hasn't had a lot of home games in the last 10 games so they're only one and one on the over under line uh dallas is four and one to the over as an away team though. So if I'm going to play anything right now, just looking at those numbers alone without digging into the offensive, defensive ratings, all that other hoobla, I like the 232 going over. And so does the public, 79% of the money. Jeez, that's a lot. So if you want this over at 232, you're going to have to jump on it right now uh, or relatively soon because I think it's going to end up closing at, I'd say, probably 234. Um, yeah, I mean, high total, familiar teams. I think it's going to be a close battle. I don't see a blowout happening. Um, last time these two teams played was way back on the day after Christmas, so the 26th of December. Um, 226.5 was the implied total there. Um, and Dallas won the game 102 to 98, and that just went well under, which is very weird um, considering these two teams are both over. Uh, tendency teams you have any uh I don't know if player props are up for this game yet but as far as some DFS takes what do you like in this are you looking at maybe utilizing Luca as a star in this I'm looking at his picture right now he's the <laughs> player, player profile I pulled up these these props just came on as we were doing the show it's funny you know we started the show with only four of the four of the five games up on the board but now I'm seeing a little bit more of them trickle in so for Luca, yeah, that's how I'm going to start my breakdown of this game and trying to figure out if it's going to stay close, if I want to invest in him. And one prop that's jumping out at me so far is his combined points, rebounds, and assists is set at 43 and a half. Mm -hmm. And in this matchup, he's averaging 53 and a half. Wow, wow. Um, you know, so, and Jalen Brunson, you know, being a guard – is out so maybe he gets a couple more minutes also exactly. he's already a starter but you know rick carlisle does weird things with his rotations yes he does yes he does so i'd lean the over on that prop and i'm going to need more time to break down the fact that uh lamarcus aldridge is out um so um you have to check back with me later on that one and lamarcus aldridge being out obviously would help Porzingis' 
uh, status, right? I mean, you know, his positioning to produce, would, would you say that's more likely? I would. Um, okay. So let's see here what his, uh, let me look at what Porzingis' numbers are. His point prop is 19 and a half. Oh, yeah. That's, um, um, that's attractive at a glance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I have to do some more digging on that one. Well, this will be a fun, interesting game. You know, I am a Mavericks fan. You know, I, I know some listeners don't like hearing, like, homerisms and all that. But, uh, you know, I try not to bet on my favorite teams just because betting with your heart can usually lead to heartbreak. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think this will be a fun game. Uh, a lot of cool angles. Um you know, I feel like if I'm playing a total, I'm not necessarily betting on or against my team. So I, I like the over here. It's probably going to be something that's in my bet slip. And uh, I'm going to follow your lead on some of these player props whenever uh, we dig into them a little more. So transitioning to the Clippers and the Suns, uh, Pacific uh, division matchup. And um, I don't know if you've heard me rant about the Suns or – uh, before, but you're you're about to. I uh, <laughs> I hate this team. I hate betting on or against them. I I just and I thought you know on Monday I was talking about some first quarter and first half heavy bets, and they were playing the Jazz, and all the numbers were pointing to be in a first half under, and what do you know? It goes over by a half point. <laughs> so <laughs> I am done trying to figure out any side. Uh, total uh, bet angle anything if it's involving the Phoenix Suns. I, I I officially throw them out of my database. I am I'm just done. Um, nonetheless, it's a game on the card, and we'll briefly talk about it. Uh, six and a half uh, points is the spread right now in favor of the Clippers. Two thirty two, which is a I think to be a little high as far as the uh, total goes. Um. Los Angeles, like you said earlier in the show, no reported injuries, completely healthy. Kelly Oubre is out with his knee issue, so that's going to hurt Phoenix. Um, Obviously, Frank Kaminsky is still out. Um, This is a high total. I wasn't expecting this. Did did you see this at a glance, and were were you a little surprised as well, or uh, what are your general opening thoughts on this game? Yeah, I thought it opened up even higher. So I thought it's gone down a little oh, bit. Wow. Okay. I was I was also looking at the under, if anything. Um, the thing that – the first thing I have in my mind as I look at the Clippers recently is Kawhi Leonard's comment recently in the media about, you know, the time to win is now. And uh-huh. he's just frustrated that they really weren't playing to their performance there. And sure enough, they came out and just blitzed Memphis and – yeah, I, I like their side here in this one. I agree with you. Phoenix is really hard to predict, but I, I would lean the Clippers here. I would lean towards the under. And the big thing with the Clippers in fantasy right now is, is I referenced it earlier, is just everybody's in the lineup now. You've yeah. got Paul George back, Beverly's back, and they've added Reggie Jackson and, and Morris. So it's, it's just really hard for these guys to hit value. So this is one of those games where I'm actually looking at some of the unders. Um, the player props, the point props for the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard is 25 and a half, Paul George 17 and a half, Marcus Morris 13 and a half. Uh, I don't know if I'll play those, but if I play any of them, I think they'll be unders. 
And then on the other side, you know, I've, I know I've mentioned a lot of overs so far on the show today, but I've got a, I've got an actual underplay for you. It is Mr. Booker. His point prop is 28 and a half. Oh yeah. That's and earlier in the season, he did score 30 against the Clippers, but Rubio did not play yeah. that game. And we see time and time again with Rubio in the lineup, you know, the, the usage just gets split up and, you know, sometimes Rubio's really dominating the ball and flirting with triple doubles and, you know, that just takes away from Booker. So Well, and I saw a thing, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, the uh, usage percentage of Devin Booker jumps by like almost 10%, or it, it might be 10% when Rubio is out of the lineup. Like it's just a monstrous it. number. It really is. And in the last six games, Rubio has been under 28.5 points five times. So, you know, that's been the recent trend. Uh, certainly the Clippers are terrific defensively. So that's my, my big underplay of the day so far is Booker under 28 and a half points. Man, I'm going to be tailing you on these prop bets all day. I love this. Uh, you know, cause it's cool to see how, uh, your takes on player props, um, and DFS just kind of play right into the numbers that I'm also dissecting. And it's, uh, it's just another fold and a wrinkle into this whole uh, digging into sports, sports betting. Um, so it's really fun. It's really neat. Um, it, it's just another cool little angle to consider whenever you are, uh, or whoever it is, all of us are having fun with placing our bets and our wagers and breaking down games. So I really like the uh, angle on that Devin Booker under for sure. Um, I was just kind of looking through some metrics here to see where um, some teams ranked um, defensively. The Clippers are fourth in their last five as far as the defensive rating goes. Phoenix is not that terrible, right in the middle at 15. So even more reason to believe that the uh, under uh, for that prop and the under on the total could be uh, conducive to our bet slips. So. Um, pace of play is pretty slow for both of these teams also. Uh, Phoenix and L.A. are both 13th uh, and 14th respectively. Or respectively. So uh, pretty middle of the pack as far as pace. So, yeah, I'm, I'm liking those bets there. Um, any angles to attack either one of these teams since it is a high total on the DFS slate or any positional uh you know, weak points that they give up more points to a certain position on either side? Really, the only one that jumps out is centers against the Clippers. Okay. That's something we, we attack So maybe a lot. some DeAndre Ayton? Uh, yep. Yep. It, was, it could be some Ayton value. I was uh, – I played his under against Gobert in terms of points, and this would be a situation where I'd be more likely to play his over. Okay. All right. Well, we'll move on to the last game on the card, and it's a, it's a really good matchup. Um, this is for basketball viewing and uh, uh, standings uh, east versus west. We have Boston taking on Utah. Boston is the uh, road team getting four and a half points. And at first glance, I like that a lot. Um, four and a half points over under set at 218 and a half right now. And um, I'm seeing a lot of money going into the over. Um, I don't, I'm not seeing too many under bets being placed on 218 and a half. 
which both these teams are really good defensively. So I'm, I'm a little surprised by that, but uh, we'll dig into this a little more. Uh, so specifically in these last 10 games for these te- two teams, Boston seven and three against the spread, five and one, or I'm sorry, uh, four and two uh, on the road. Utah's one and five at home in their last 10 against the spread, three and seven in total. I think they're kind of slipping a little bit here. Two and six is a favorite overall in their last 10. Um, Kimba Walker obviously is out, but they have guard depth. Like I said um, on the show earlier this week, uh, you know, all the way down to Wanamaker, you know, they have guys like Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum has been absolutely dynamite. So they have guys that can definitely fill in when need be. Um, I like the battle of the bigs here. Gobert's going to be battling with Tice. Um, Edmus Cantor can get out there also. They also have a good uh, combo of the Williams quote-unquote brothers, Grant and uh, Robert. And, um, you know, I, I love Boston's position right here. You know, it's one team going one way and the other team going the other. Um, I look at Boston even winning this game outright. When I first saw this, I was a little bit surprised. I wasn't exactly sure um, what the deal was. Um, I thought maybe I was missing something, but the only thing that there is is Kimball Walker's going to be out. Um, right now he's doubtful. He's not even ruled out, so I wonder if him being ruled out might affect the line by a half point. Um, but I think Vegas is smart enough to go ahead and consider him probably – being out in this line. So I don't think there'll be any movement with his actual designation to being out. Uh, Boston, all the way for me on this one. Did you, uh, are prop bets up for this game yet? Or how do you feel about this as far as a DFS uh, game to use? Yeah, so the prop bets are not out yet on this one, unfortunately. In terms of these two teams in general with fantasy, uh, we like to attack Boston they're bigs. So mm-hmm. you could look at Gobert on the fantasy side. You know, he's been a little bit underwhelming lately, but uh, that's a guy I would look at. I'm curious to see what his props are when they come out. But in terms of the game itself, uh, I'm with you. If I was going to play a side, I would go with Boston. I'd probably, I'd probably take the points myself instead of going with the money line. Uh, just considering that it is a back-to-back for Boston. They coming from Portland last night. That's a pretty tough back-to-back to go into the altitude. But the thing about Boston is, you know, you got to scout these coaches too. And I just love Coach Stevens. Yes. Um, he, yeah. he fights to the end every single game. You know, if it's six or seven points spread late, he's not going to give up. He's going to keep fouling. And I think that goes a long way. So I would lean towards Boston there. And, you know, I would also lean the over. It actually, I think it opened at 215 and a half, jumped up to 218, 218 and a half, went off the board, came back on. And, you know, the thing is um, Celtics are fifth in offensive efficiency. Mm -hmm. Jazz are are eighth. Um, And then you mentioned it, you know, Utah's been a bit of a funk at home here, which is surprising, but, you know, giving up 131 to Phoenix, uh, losing to San Antonio at home. So I like your lean there on Boston, and, and I would lean the over as well. One other thing I like uh, to, you know, support and piggyback your uh, 
overtake is uh, Utah. In their last five games, they are the 26th rated defensive team. Um, so very heavy slippage right now. Um, you know, and net ratings as far as the last five games, Boston is right there at 12, um, Utah 19. So, you know, kind of middle of the pack. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But, yeah, just that defensive rating for Utah alone lately is just uh, – that's given me more reason than not to support the uh, the over. And um, I think this will be a good game. Um, you know, for my sake, I hope Boston pulls it out. I think this is – I'm going to go ahead and stamp this as an official play for me. You know, four and a half points, I, I just don't uh, – I don't know how you look at that and not take that, considering how good Boston's been against the spread all year. So um, one other thing that I wanted to bring up, because you touched on it a little bit, talking about the back-to-back coming into Utah. And I've uh, mentioned this on a show or two in the past, but I was reading an article, and it was breaking down how over the last five seasons – teams playing a back-to-back and coming into Utah for that second leg, how it was pretty much an automatic lock that they lost and they uh, didn't cover the spread. This year alone, um, it's completely flip-flopped. It's really weird. It's really weird. Um, Teams coming in that second uh, game of a back-to-back coming into Utah, they're covering that. I think it was like a 71.5% flip. Wow. um, Love that stat. It's, it's just, you know, because even back to, you know, the Darren uh, – or I'm sorry, the uh, Jerry Sloan and, um, you know, Andre Kirilenko and Mehmet Akur days, you know, it's like they won home games. Like that's what they were known for, and they, they were tough on back-to-backs. Uh, so, you know, it, it's – Utah's been a place that you struggle on back-to-backs for as long as I can remember – um, or even just trying to go get a road win. So it's weird that it's completely flipped this year. Um, you know, just for the season, you know, Utah is 13 and 14 and one against the spread at home. Um, they still have a good road or home record at 20 and eight. So um, again, I think it'll be a good game. And uh, we have a we have an exciting card to keep some eyes on uh, tonight as far as props, DFS. Uh, overall bets. So, well, Andrew, that was uh, that was the last game on the card. Did you have any other uh, takes, digs, things that you may might have uh, thought about as we ran through those, um, some stats or anything like that that you want to put out there? No, I think we covered it. Uh, I had a lot of fun breaking down these games with you. Uh, so uh, it was a pleasure to be on with you and. Look forward to following you here closely as we move forward with the rest of the regular season and continue to make some strong investments here with these NBA plays. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to telling those player props, but I know that you've had some, uh, you're, you're doing like some pieces on that um, a lot recently. So uh, be listening to that DFS uh, podcast. And, um, you know, do, do you uh, have any, player props or best bets or anything like that put up on the hoop-ball.com page also? No, no written articles along with the player props. You got to just listen into the podcast to get them. I just want to make sure everyone knew where to find your work. So 
Yeah, you know, with that being said, guys, I, I am going to do one last quick shout out to mybookie.ag. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship. They treat us nicely. They treat their betters nicely. That 24-7 customer service is key. It's, you know, betting is um, can be a little scary sometimes, but when you have someone in your corner like MyBookie that has that customer support and um, that peace of mind uh, type of philosophy instilled in what they do, it makes it a lot easier. Not to mention, we do have that promo code today, T-O-D-A-Y with them, 50% match on your initial deposit up to $2,000. So again, you deposit $2,000, you're going to get a free thousand. And I don't know about you, Andrew, but I love free money. I get, it's, I'll it's take just, it. <laughs> I'm no mathematician, but um, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Well, Andrew, hey, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, this, this was great. I loved breaking it down in a whole nother angle, a whole nother scope. I hope the listeners were able to get some stuff out of it. I'm sure they were. And, uh, yeah, you know, just a reminder, uh, he's at language Olympic on Twitter, uh, puts out some really good stuff. So it's a must follow. I'm at DALE 007 and it is a hoop ball gaming, uh, mothership Twitter handle for all of our collective efforts. And guys, I hope you have some good luck today. Maybe get in some DFS contests, tail some of these player prop bets, and uh, have some fun and good luck today, guys. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.